Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. Do you want to make a podcast? Yes, but only so that I can talk about AFC Wimbledon. Hello and welcome to Dear Hank and John. Of course, I prefer to think of it Dear John and Hank. It's a comedy podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon and sometimes other soccer teams. John. Yeah. Do you know why there are no cats on Mars? Why are there no cats on Mars, Hank? Uh, you might think it's because the, the the whole, like, no life thing. That was my assumption. It's because curiosity killed them. I mean, that's, a, like, a pretty good Mars rover joke. That's probably <laughs> one of the top two Mars rovers jokes I've ever heard. Well, we'll see. Uh, it was suggested by, I saw it on the Nerdfighter subreddit. So thanks, everybody, for, for throwing that one out for me. Hank, do you know what I would have tweeted about this week? You'll never oh, guess. Oh, yeah, I think I do. Would you have tweeted some, like, soccer song, and everybody would be like, uh, and then some people would be like, yay, but, like, only, like, 12 of them? No, I would have tweeted about AFC Wimbledon's astonishing oh. fight back yeah. from last place to the narrowest possible survival. AFC Wimbledon, <laughs> stunning the world. There's a whole part of the podcast that is for this. And we'll get back to it, Hank. But this only <laughs> happens once, maybe twice, maybe six times in a lifetime. Oh, my God. All right. It was magic. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. Even, I'm very excited even for Even Hank was into it. I was so freaking nervous is what oh. I was. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, and I the fact that they nil-nilled their way into it, just like, okay, don't do anything. Yeah, they definitely. It was terrifying. Yeah, someone afterwards described the performance of AFC Wimbledon in that nil-nil draw as nervy, and I feel that that was rather an understatement. <laughs> like, you could see in the player's eyes the entire game, pure terror. Like, I mean, it was, <laughs> whew. Yeah, oh, that God. was it, what a great escape it was. We'll talk more about it at the end of the pod. But for now, let's answer some questions from our listeners, beginning with this question from M.M., Dear John and Hank, my roommate and I have been arguing about a question of the utmost importance for over a year now. A year, Hank. We need you to settle it once and for all. What constitutes black coffee? I say that black coffee is coffee with nothing else in it, 
but she thinks that coffee with just sugar in it also counts as black coffee, as its color has not been changed by milk or cream. Thanks a latte, MM. I mean, black coffee is is like if you you can't say like I want black coffee with sugar in it because that's not black coffee. Yeah. Like you have now made it. Yeah. No, I think that like I think that this is what we colloquially understand black coffee to be is coffee with nothing in it. Yes. It is one of those arguments that people have, like the pronunciation of the word GIF or GIF, where the argument is not about anything real, Mm. like what should we value as humans? It's about like loving each other, but in a teasing way. And so Mm -hmm. I don't want to settle the argument because I want MM to continue loving their friend in this wonderful way. But at the same time, like black coffee is black coffee. It's coffee. It's just, it's just, it's just coffee. I when I was researching this question because I did want to make sure I I wasn't gonna make anybody super mad at me I found a question on Quora that said, "Do Americans actually just drink coffee with nothing in it like they do in TV shows? Because Americans in TV shows are always getting coffee with nothing in it. Yeah, and yes, we do that. I we prefer do my coffee that. with nothing in it. Yeah." I, I put I put some sugar in it. I don't usually. No, I find yeah. that sugar ruins it. And the one thing, as as you'll probably know from the fact that I don't eat my cereal with milk, I sure as heck <laughs> don't drink my coffee with milk. <laughs> no, John just puts coffee in his cereal. I genuinely think that would be better than milky cereal. <laughs> coffee cereal like kind of solves two of my problems at once. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, if you did it with like the, like this like the cocoa puffs, that would be dope. I'm super into it. I want to try it. I'm Googling caffeinated cereal to see if anybody has yet solved <laughs> solved for the biggest problem that our generation faces, it must, uncaffeinated must cereal. It must be. <laughs> I see one caffeinated cereal on the market, Hank, and I think we could compete with it effectively. We may have found our million-dollar idea at last. The, uh, it's exactly what our audience has been beating down the door for, John. I can't That's, tell you how many times people have asked me, <laughs> why isn't there coffee in my cereal? And is there a way I can pay you to solve this problem for me? You know, like, honestly, like, you don't need caffeinated cereal. You could just put coffee in it. This next question comes from Maeve. <laughs> Who asks, Dear Hank and John, as per John's recommendation, I recently finished Michelle Obama's book, Becoming, and I absolutely loved it. Oh, good. I've been thinking a lot about when she talked about making a swerve in life, a jump to make a dramatic change to obtain more fulfillment for yourself. Do a lot of people swerve? I haven't met many people who have dramatically changed their careers due to fulfillment or unhappiness, but that's likely because they were more worried about making money. I'm applying to college next fall, and I'm already fairly confident that I want to major in biochemistry with a minor or double major in English. Boy, you've got it all planned out. Wow. Uh, On the pre-med track. But what if I want to make a swerve in life? I might be overthinking my future, but at least I'm good at it. Rhymes with brave, Maeve. Oh, thanks for the, the tip. I'm glad that I got it right. Yeah, I think that lots of people do make swerves, including people yeah. who get their MDs and become doctors and end up doing things aside from just doctoring. Like Aaron Carroll, for instance, is a doctor. He's also a writer for The New York Times and also the host of Healthcare Triage. The other person who came to mind when I was reading this question was my friend and Nerdfighter's resident mathematician, Daniel Biss, who was a tenure track professor at the University of Chicago in mathematics and then became a politician. 
So that's about the biggest <laughs> swerve I can imagine. Jobs, different jobs. Yeah, I have a biochemistry undergrad degree, and I don't uh, do much biochemistry or any at all for clarity. Well, um, actually, I feel like your body does a ton of biochemistry all oh, the time. Oh, that's true. I do. You know, honestly, we each one of us does more biochemistry in a given day than a biochemist. Absolutely. Well, they do actually about the same amount as we do because they're also <laughs> humans. It's true. They do slightly more right. than average. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. just a minuscule amount more. It's like, uh, it's like one of the most quoted things I ever said is that the Venn diagram of boys who think you're too smart and boys you don't want to date is a circle. Which is a mm-hmm. nice line, but of course, like that Venn diagram isn't really a circle because the circle of boys you don't want to date is quite a bit larger than boys who think that you're too smart. <laughs> like, for instance, your siblings. Yeah, sure, that's included. Uh, yeah, I, I wish that I'd rephrased that line, but of course, if I had rephrased it, it wouldn't be on so many quote sites, and therein lies the rub to quote William Shakespeare. Speaking of weird statistics that you don't think about, uh, recently we were walking down the street and Oren said, Kitty. And I was like, yes, correct. And he was like, not cameo. And I was like, also correct. The Mm. vast majority of cats are not our cat. Right. Like statistically speaking, we have no cats. uh, Yeah. You have a vanishingly small number of cats. On the other hand, from Oren's perspective, almost every cat is cameo. Yeah. Because it, like it when is a very, cat appears, it is almost always cameo. Right. It's very strange. It's good. It's good to have a, a second set of eyes to see the world through, John. Speaking of weird statistics, 538.com <laughs> said that Liverpool had a 6% chance to win wow. that Champions League tie. And we won 4-0 because Divock Origi scored two goals. Divock Origi. Don't for, nobody forget that name. Oh, I mean, I'm not going to forget it because I'm I'm having his face tattooed on my bicep. You you don't have a bicep. <laughs> I actually I kind of <laughs> do since I've been working out, but that joke Oh no. Your oh, your no, burn is well news. taken. <laughs> I remember one time uh at VidCon Europe in Amsterdam, I challenged Tyler Oakley to arm wrestle with me. I'd been drinking. <laughs> And he was like, uh, yeah, sure. And Tyler Oakley wrote up, rolled up his sleeve and I was like, oh boy, this is going to be short. This was a mistake. Oh. I thought you were Tyler Oakley, like 2014 Tyler Oakley, but you're 2017 Tyler Oakley. He's ripped. Oh what was God. the question? Yeah, 2019 Tyler Oakley is just like beefcake. Right. So lots of people swerve in life, Maeve, just like we swerved <laughs> while answering your question. <laughs> And Tyler swerved when he became Beefcake. Yeah. And like our mom swerved when she started out working at a telephone company and then eventually went on to work in community development and sustainable development practices. I think part of life is planning for the future, but part of life is also being Mm -hmm. ready to be surprised by the opportunities that are available to you. I'm going to announce right here, John, I'm swerving. Oh, God, that's exciting. Are, are you swerving toward less work? I'm going to... No, it's nothing oh. nothing to do with my professional life, John. Oh. I'm keeping all that exactly the okay. same. Okay, great. I'm swerving to, I'm only going to drink soda I make myself. Oh, for how long? I want for the rest <laughs> of your life? <laughs> well, here's the thing, John. It, after, after 
a couple of months of doing this, there's no way I'm going to not try to monetize it. So it's probably going to be kind of become like a, a new job for me. Are you, are, are we, wait, 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 wait. Are you trying to tell me that we're starting a soda company? <laughs> because this is exactly the way that you usually tell me that we're starting a new company. You'll be like, Oh, I've been thinking that, you know, YouTube needs a conference. And is there one really? <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, we'll, 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 we'll see what happens. Oh, my God. I mean, I, all right. I'll, let's just make the deal now so that it doesn't get complicated. I'll take 5% of the company. I'll give you <laughs> $800 in startup capital. And, and I'll promote it on our shared channels. Deal? Okay. It's a deal. All right. I'm going to need more than $800, but I'll talk to you about that later. Uh, I mean, the <laughs> the next percent of the company, um, you're going to have to sell me for $4 million, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> tell you right now. No, I mean, I actually, I, I kind of like the idea of a so- Wait, can it be a soda company where none of the sodas have sugar in them? I'm really disturbed by the amount of sugar that's in soda. I saw a YouTube video about this that I wish I could unwatch. <laughs> that's this is yes. Uh, it's not no sugar. It's less sugar. Oh, it's less sugar. So is it like mm-hmm. ten calories a can? Mm, more like 40, 50, mm. 60. Can you get it there, down like to, half? Can you get it down to like ten or twenty? Is my question. It just with, doesn't taste good at that level. It's with just some not, stevia. All right, let's, you know what? Let's sideline this conversation (laughs) and have it when we're not making a podcast because I actually really like this idea and now I'm getting kind of excited. All right, Hank, this next question comes from Michael and I actually am able to offer some real advice here. Dear John and Hank, I'm making boxed mac and cheese and I have melted the butter, but when I went to get the milk, I found that both my rice milk and my roommate's dairy milk have frozen in the refrigerator. What? Well, Michael, before we get to the uh, proper advice part, you need to turn down your fridge a little bit. Yeah. Because if milk is freezing, it's too too cold cold in there. How do I finish this mac and cheese? The cheese powder won't come together. Michael, you add water. I do it every single time (laughs) I make mac and cheese, and it works fine. (laughs) Yeah. That's how you do it. I haven't used milk when making mac and cheese in my children's entire life, they have no wow. idea what mac and cheese with milk tastes like. And I bet when they find out, they're going to be like, ugh, gross. Thank God dad doesn't pour this stuff on my cereal. If you're used to a milkier flavor uh, and you have butter handy, you can use water and butter and that will do a similar thing. Yeah. I think the butter is more important than the milk, frankly, when it's when it comes to oh, mac and cheese making time. I agree. This next question comes from Phoebe, who asks, Dear John and Hank, as per your advice in a recent podcast, whenever I find a penny, I've been throwing it on the ground in protest. Mm. John, we've created litterers. Yeah, I, I, I regret that advice, but okay. <laughs> we have to take something back. Don't litter everywhere. Yesterday, I found a few pennies in my car, so I tossed them on the ground in the parking lot. No, Today, see- when I got to work... <laughs> Today, when I got to work, they were still there. Do I pick them up? Will they still grant me good luck? How does the relationship between penny tosser and penny picker-upper affect penny luck? My son's name is Holden Phoebe. Pe- Phoebe, pennies are not good luck. That is a conspiracy created by the government to get people to keep uh, holding on to pennies. It is certainly the thing that 
pennies do that add the most value to our lives, right, is give us a feeling of good luck. I will say that while I understand intellectually that pennies are not good luck, I do pick up every heads up penny I see and I do think to myself, a little bit of good luck right there. Also, I will say that sometimes when I feel like I really need some good luck, I will put a heads up penny somewhere and then like three days later when I see it again, I'll be like, oh, wow, it's a new heads up penny. (laughs) That is not how it works. Yeah, yeah. No, sometimes you do make your own luck, Hank. And uh, if you really need good luck, I I find just scattering some heads up pennies around the house and just kind of, you know, picking them up as you go (laughs) is a way to make yourself feel a little bit better. And also you feel a little bit less worse about how bad it is that we continue to mint pennies in the United States in 2019. At least this thing has a use. I watched a video recently where they uh, turned pennies into a sword and it was amazing. It's also illegal, for the record. You're not allowed to melt down pennies. It turns out it's not illegal as long as you don't sell the sword because Ah. it was for educational or artistic purposes. Well, that's good. That's good to know. So watch that video. He just makes swords out of different stuff. It's got a whole channel. You know, sometimes I think like YouTube, it's it's just a cesspool. We got to get out while the getting's good. And then I find out that there's somebody who's making swords out of pennies and probably finding a way to turn that into their job, and it's beautiful. All right, Hank, we have another question. This one comes from Mia, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I live in England, and therefore I get free psychotherapy, although I had to wait over six months for it, but I'm very happy to have it. I've had three sessions so far, and my therapist is lovely, but I have forgotten her name since the first session, and every time I try to go to my therapy appointment and get there, I'm asked, who are you seeing? And I just have to reply, "Uh, I forgot her name. And that leads them to look it up themselves, and then they find out who I'm seeing, and then don't tell me. What do I do? (laughs) How do I ask her after three sessions, what's your name? Any advice would be helpful. Mia sounds like fire. Wait, what? Meyer. 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 Is that a British accent thing? Sorry, your name's Mia. I'm sorry. No, we're, no, we're American. Wait, okay, it is a British accent thing, Hank. And because you are the master of the fake British accent, you can probably get us there. If her name is Maya, but it's said with a British accent, then would it be like Maya? It would be Maya. 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 Like fire. Like fire. Maya, like fire. Yeah, that's my British accent. That, ah, ah, I don't know why I've got this kind of British person. By the way, I know for a f- I know for a fact that you have a better fake British accent than that, oh. and you intentionally <laughs> didn't use it because you're embarrassed. <laughs> but I know how bad your bad fake British accent is. You just gotta ask the receptionist. Can you tell me what their name is? Obviously, I don't know. I've That's already told exactly you. The right you strategy. tell me. Yes, and if only we all had receptionists for this problem. There's so many people in town where I'm like, you! Yes, every single parent of every (laughs) single kid in both of my kids' classes. I'm just like, hey-o! Yeah, oh God. Nick? It's funny because there's so so few people uh, that have kids Oren's age in my neighborhood that like every time I meet one I'm like I know everything about you now I will keep all of your and then I'm oh, sure really? by the time he's in school I'll be like I know nothing about any of you I I just can't I have no memory for names like people say their names to me and I'm looking at them when they say them and within a second it's gone 
And that, uh, by the way, like also, yeah, it's it, it's it's a terrible habit, and I'm really trying to get better at it. But I just I find that because I'm stressed out about it, I do a worse job of remembering. I'm like, I gotta remember this person's name, and so I'm just thinking about remembering rather than thinking about them, yeah. the person I'm talking to. Well, the thing that I've heard is that if you repeat the person's name very quickly in conversation, then you'll remember it. The problem is that two seconds later, when I have the opportunity to repeat their name, it's already gone, gone. And also I overthink it. So someone will be like, my name is Aaron. And I'll be like, great, your name is Aaron. And I'll be thinking their name is Aaron. And then I'll be like, is their name Joe? Did they say Joe? Did I, they said Aaron, right? Or did they say Joe? Maybe they did say Joe. It's just Right. I, I, well, that's the, yeah. Especially when it's like two things, like if it's Jenna or Jenny, I'm like, ah, I will never say your name. Right. Just be like, Jen. just never do it. Jen. Mm, Meyer. Is it okay if I just call you Jen? Maya. Maya. <clears throat> Maya. Why, Maya. Was there a question? Was there a question? Fire. Maya. How can it possibly rhyme with fire? I, fire. I feel like we need to get a British person on the line here. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Jay Say. He's British. <laughs> He's British. <laughs> fire. 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 Maya. Fire. I hear it now. Stop talking. I can't hear Jay talking. You talk. Stop talking. Every time Jay says it, you say it at the exact same time. Fire. Fire. Maya. Fire. 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 That's what I was saying. Maya. That's what I was. I was saying fire. What were we talking about? We were talking about my Maya. Maya's problem. Not Mia. Maya. I can't find Maya because I can't figure out how to spell this name. It's about how she can't remember a name. And hilariously, <laughs> your problem is that you can't find the question because you can't remember her name. <laughs> so, Maya, you've come to the wrong place. Ask the receptionist. That is the solution. And that reminds me that today's podcast is brought to us by How Jay Say. How Jay Say, Hank and I's number one guide to pronunciation, which is why I repeatedly in Crash Course World History referred to the Renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jay. <laughs> this podcast is also brought to you by Caffeinated Cereal. It's got that juice in it. And today's podcast is also brought to you by Goal Difference. Goal Difference, it's what kept Wimbledon up. And finally, this podcast is brought to you by, I uh, can't remember his name. Divock Origi. <laughs> <laughs> brought to you by that guy. Uh, two goals to push Liverpool into the finals of the Champion League leagues against Ajax or possibly Tottenham. That was a very good pronunciation of Tottenham. We've also got a Project for Awesome message from Jeremy to Say, who writes, Say introduced me to Vlogbrothers and this podcast, and we listen every week together. I really love all the support for charities and the genuineness. Say had not only introduced me to these amazing humans, but also has been an amazing wife. We've now been through our first year of marriage, and here's to many more years of love, health, happiness, and, of course, kitties. Oh, that's very sweet. Happy kitties. anniversary. So listen, your toilet is massively gross, like it's grosser than you think. In fact, bacteria and viruses can hang around in the toilet bowl even after multiple flushes. And I recently found the easiest way to clean my toilet, Blue Land's Sustainable Toilet Cleaner Tablets. Just drop, watch it fizz, brush, and flush. It is truly that simple. No more scrubbing for hours. Plus, the tablets are plastic-free. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and for the planet 
with the same powerful clean that you're used to. Blue Land products are effective and affordable, and their toilet tablets are proven to work on a wide range of toilet stains, including rust, mineral deposits, lime scale, and hard water. And you can even get more savings by buying refills in bulk or setting up a subscription. Blue Land has a special offer for our listeners. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss this blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. That's blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. Six months ago, probably. (laughs) This next question comes from Michelle, who asks, Dear Hank and John, my sisters don't like to read much. I really like receiving books as gifts, and sometimes I find books I think they might like. Do I give them books as gifts until they like them, or just respect the fact that they don't like to read for pleasure? Nacho Bell, Michelle. I think there might be a fundamental misunderstanding here about what gifts are supposed to do. (laughs) Be interested in the thing I like. (laughs) (laughs) Then give it to me when you're done with it, because I also want it. Right. It's like in The Simpsons when Homer gave Marge a bowling ball drilled to his fingers. Yeah, I think you you got to give your sisters things that they like. Or nothing, because gifts are terrible. Yeah, and also when you're getting books as a gift and you don't want them, I'm not sure that makes you like reading more. I think it might make you like reading less. Yeah. So I would try to give gifts that the people you're giving the gifts to really want and will be excited about and trust that maybe over time they will come to find some books that they love. All right, Hank, we have a question from Anonymous who writes, Dear John and Hank, my school is providing only 12 tickets for my high school graduation. I have a very large family and there are about 40 of them Mm. who would like to attend my graduation. Mm. I made a huge mistake and made a private event on Facebook where people could RSVP, but also buy me things from my gift registry. And well, this has become an outlet for my family members on opposite sides to make very passive aggressive posts towards each other. And it's pretty awful because, you know, I'm the one graduating. I'm also having a dinner afterwards where they will all be expected to sit down at a dinner table together, and I'm genuinely (laughs) frightened. So how should I deal with this family drama while also trying to keep my family happy? I just want it to be a great day from a conflicted future college student, who, by the way, included a link to their gift registry, which was very smart. (laughs) And it's the kind of thing that we often don't see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like no, with no other context. Not like here's no, my there gift. is it's context just, it's because just... it's like they're also buying me this. The idea was that I created this Facebook group so they could buy me stuff from my gift registry, so I can have, for instance, Tide pods and uh, water bottles to take to college, or a laundry yeah. basket, all of which I think is great. And in fact, I'm going to buy your laundry basket. <laughs> And I John's want you, every you time you do laundry, basket. I'm not going to say your what? name, but I know your name because I'm looking at your gift registry. <laughs> every time you do laundry all through college, I want you to be like, thank you, John Green, for my $9.99 laundry basket. I just bought it. And I'm not, I'm not going to get you a three-hole punch because you don't need a three-hole punch. It's 2019. Aren't we past that? Haven't we moved beyond that? $5.99 for delivery. Good Lord. You gotta. You should get more. You should get more. So that right, it's more I'll get worth more. it. You're right. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna pay for extra for delivery, <laughs> <laughs> I might as well get a few, few things. <laughs> also, somebody else is gonna have a three hole punch, right? 
Yeah, I suspect that you'll be able to borrow somebody's three-hole punch when you need it, which is basically never. <laughs> that said, we've got a three-hole punch at our house. And like, yeah, I, do, I do use it I've occasionally. I've got one, but it's literally the one I got when I went to college. So yeah, I guess you right. get to keep it's it a, forever. You know what? I, I am, also I'm going to buy the three-hole punch. I just bought it. <laughs> just bought. I also saw on this list the iron that I bought when I moved to college. It's Why the same iron, and I still have it. You should get that, Hank. You know it's a good, high-quality iron. Their relative already got it for them. Oh, I see. Uh, My brother, I'm not going to say he's an ungenerous person. I'm just going to (laughs) say the one thing he called out as being a good investment is a thing that's already been purchased. (laughs) All right, all right. I'll get the pots and pans. Or the dustbuster. That looks like a pretty high-quality dustbuster, and it's only $28. But let's get to the problem here, Hank, which is that sometimes you create a private Facebook group and your relatives mm. use that opportunity to be mean to each other and then to and ratchet up tension so that your day, whether it's your graduation day or your wedding day or whatever, becomes stressful. Right. And also the fact that you got 40 people and they're all sort of jockeying for these 12 tickets. Yeah. You needed. And like, yes, you like you recognize that you kind of made a mistake here by being like, here's my registry. And before you were like, here are the who gets the tickets, because now what is now? What does it mean? Are people going to be buying you things to try and get tickets to the graduation? So you got to f- create some kind of fair way. And you should probably just do it like based on like the the like British primogenitor way of like establishing who is going to be the heir to the throne. So you have to like go to your direct next of kin. Like if you died, who would inherit the pots and pans I just bought you? That's such a bad idea. <laughs> like the idea that the solution to this problem is a British style monarchical solution is of all the answers you could have given something. Yeah. But the something shouldn't be like first, the oldest son shall come (laughs) next, the younger son. No, you should do it by how like your parents, they have to come. Yeah. But then then you're making a values judgment. Of course you're you're making a values judgment. You're, that is better than <laughs> yeah look 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 I, I just think that it'd be it, it's nice to be like oh hey here's how I did it so that no one feels like like left out I did it based on uh, just the last time I saw you or no that's awful don't do that alternately yeah this is what you should do you should pick the 12 people you want to go to your graduation and then you should say in the private Facebook group I held a randomized lottery. I put everybody's mm. name into a hat and I pulled out the first 12 names and these are the 12 names. I'm really sorry if you didn't get picked by the completely random lottery and only yeah. you know that in fact it's the 12 people you want to go. <laughs> it just happens to be all of the it it just happens to be both of my parents. Yeah. All of my favorite brothers and sisters. Yeah. Exactly. But not the one brother I don't like. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I I feel like I feel like we're helping, John. Are we helping? At least we've I, delivered some pots and pans. Yeah, I don't think that we've helped at all. But I mean, enjoy your Tide Pods. <laughs> That's one of the other things I just put in the in my in my in I my mean, checkout. You are, I've got to remember to are, actually check out. 
Yeah. Anonymous is absolutely correct that the thing you need most is detergent. There are so many detergents on the registry and you are right. You need it. Oh, yeah. This next question comes from Emily, who asks, Dear Hank and John, earlier this afternoon, I lent my iPhone charger to a coworker whose desk is in the same room as mine. It's been about three hours, and her phone has been charging this whole time, and now my phone is on 1%. It's on low power mode, and I'm using it minimally, but I kind of need my charger back. Do I just ask for my charger? But yes, you ask for your charger back! Yes. Yes. We get a lot of versions of this question. Yeah, we do. And it freaks me out because it makes me think that we're getting way worse as a species at talking to each other. Yeah. And that it's your it's it's just it's not a big deal. But like, it becomes we a can big get deal. S- because when you start not talking to people, it gets really hard to start talking yeah. to people. And so it and, and we have all these incentives in our economy now that say don't talk to people, right? Like mm-hmm. all of the social internet companies are saying, no, 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 don't call. Just post. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. walk over and talk to your neighbor. Just message them on next door. And I worry that when it gets hard to, in my experience anyway, when it gets hard to talk to people it gets harder to talk to people. Like that becomes a vicious Mm -hmm. cycle very, very quickly. And so I can totally relate to this problem where you're like, uh, I don't know how to tell this person that I, uh, my my phone's almost dead. How do I, uh, what do I do? And the answer is that you talk to them, but it's, it's hard. I think you get into your own head about it. You start to like imagine all the circumstances and really what you should do is be like, I was, why did I even think about this for so long? I need to, I need to jump into the swimming pool and ask for my charger back. Um, I borrow chargers at my office constantly. And if there's anybody in the office who thinks that they can't ask for their charger back, like I need to be very clear about this. Ask. Yeah. I borrow a lot of chargers as well, Hank. That must be a green family thing. <laughs> all right, Hank, before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I want to answer one more question. This one from Sydney who writes, Dear John and Hank... A Barbie Band-Aid has been stuck to the bottom of my trash can since 2002. I remember using that Band-Aid when I was four and tossing it away, never imagining it would land at the bottom of the can, sticky side down. Every time I empty the can and see the Barbie's disfigured, haunted face looking back at me, I ask myself, after 17 years, is it time to rip off the Band-Aid, or is it now a sacred relic? Oh, God. (laughs) This is... Yeah, that's exactly... That's that's exactly it. It's how your brain works. Yes. But like there are no sacred Barbie band-aids. But there are kind of, right? Like oh, it's true gosh. that there are no sacred relics, but there are also sacred relics. Like I think that our answers to this question will be different because our perspectives on this are different. But uh, we'll get to that. I want to read the rest of the question because it gets more interesting. Okay. I also did some research and apparently there are people who collect this very era of Barbie Band-Aid and now I'm wondering if I should carefully clean and freshen mine up and send it to someone who would proudly add it to their wall. Thoughts included oh. is photo evidence which we'll post on the Patreon at patreon.com slash John of both my trash can and what the Band-Aid looked like in its original form and it is amazing. Oh, that's exactly what I pictured. Uh, yeah. It is... Yeah. Uh, I think what you, the real mistake you've made, Sydney, is that you didn't link to your gift registry <laughs> so that we could get you a new can. trash can. <laughs> <laughs> 
If you've learned anything from this podcast, it's that Hank and I can be tricked into buying almost anything from almost any registry. <laughs> oh, it's so easy to so easy to scam us. Sydney, my answer to this question is that you should leave the Band-Aid exactly where it is and that it will only grow in meaning for you over the course of your life. And one day you'll be 80 and you'll look at the bottom of the trash can and you'll remember being four in a visceral way that you just can't get back to through any other sensory experience. And I think that's tremendously valuable. And so I think you should leave the Band-Aid exactly where it is. I think you should leave the Band-Aid exactly where it is because that way you don't have to touch it. (laughs) And there you have it. Hank and John (laughs) summarized in an answer. (laughs) We got a lot of good responses to things uh, this week, John. And so I want to dive into some responses. Uh, We got, I just, before we do that though, we often say like, we get so many questions and I'm sorry we can't answer all of them. And like, but like actually, there's so many really good, interesting questions that we don't get to. Yes. And I do feel bad about it. It's like the thing I feel worst about in this whole podcast is when we get really interesting questions or like really important ones and we don't get to them. So I do want to say thank you to everybody who sends in your questions. Um, and and like and also that there wouldn't be a podcast at all without you taking the time to do that. So thank you to everybody who does that at hankandjohn at gmail.com. For example, Matt, who asks, Dear Hank and John, Marina, Marina, I thought Chris was your best friend. Is Chris all right? Did you two have a falling out? Do you have multiple best friends? <laughs> Chris and Marina are married. <laughs> they're they're both our best friends like that's yeah that's how it works for us we have two best friends chris and marina they are married to each other and they are sarah and i's best friends and sarah and i are married to each other but i love that question also (laughs) marina (laughs) also caitlin wrote in to say dear john and hank this isn't a question i just wanted to say how genuinely heartwarming it is to see how you guys have grown over the course of the podcast i remember when john wouldn't pay attention during the Mars news and Hank wouldn't listen during the AFC Wimbledon news. Now Hank is anxiously tweeting about AFC Wimbledon and John is emotionally attached to Mars rovers. It's true. I cry every time something lands on the surface of Mars that came from Earth. I I do. It makes me cry. It makes me feel the same way that like amazing football stories make me feel like, look what humans can do when they work together. Yeah, uh, I Catherine knew that I was super stressed out about AFC Wimbledon, and so like she was kind of giving me the the devil's stare a little <laughs> bit because I was so freaked out about it. And then I didn't talk about it afterward. And then she was like, "So did they stay up?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually. So. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. About ten days ago, I sent Sarah a text that she showed me yesterday, and the text was. I've got to stop investing so much of my consciousness into football. I can't let my mood be decided by the exploits of 11, 23-year-olds who live far away from me. And, <laughs> and But now you don't feel that way at all, huh? No, no. Now I feel like, is there a better use of my attention? <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, a, it's, a, you know, it's a weird thing. Of course, it's not the most important thing in the world. It is only a game, but, uh, yeah. but it's not really about the game. It's about, it's about the people coming together to orient their love in the same direction. One more mm. uh, email I want to read. It's from M, who oh writes, God, this Dear is, John oh and Hank, boy. 
Thanks for answering my question about me vomiting in the meeting room at work. There were other people around, but through a series of circumstances, things turned out better than expected. M. Uh, so I, I have so many different th- things to think about this. The first is that it's almost composed like a poem. Yes. Um, and and it like it sort of reminds me of like uh, like the plums and the I ice take box. It, it, it it is it has the same exact meter as the plums poem. Thanks for answering my question about me vomiting in the meeting room at work. There were other people around, <laughs> but through a series of circumstances, things turned out better than expected. And <laughs> so that's the first thing I think. The second thing I think is that like we have been duped into a serialized story. Yes. Now there's a podcast inside the podcast because, of course, um, we want to know this series of circumstances. But, but not too much at once. No. No, I very small bites. <laughs> One stanza at a time every week for the rest of my life. I want to learn the love story that emerged from you vomiting in the meeting room at work and how that's how right. you met the great love of your life and the weird stuff that y'all are into. Let's get to the news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon. Hank, I'll start. All right. AFC Wimbledon needed... Uh, a win or a tie against Bradford City on the last day of the season. And they got a tie, which means because of the results around them, they needed that tie. In the end, AFC Wimbledon ended the season in 20th place, the last place not to be relegated from League One in this season. The team below us, Plymouth Argyle, who were relegated, had the exact same number of points after the 46-game season, but they had a worse goal difference by two goals. There were many times over the course of this season when we were losing games 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, to that I would say, I wish we would just lose a game by 3-1 to because at least that would show that we were trying to get that tying goal. Mm-hmm. I was wrong. <laughs> We, it turned out that the footballing gods knew better than I did. AFC Wimbledon needed almost every goal they scored, and they needed to stop almost every shot they stopped. I I cannot believe how fine the margins were in this season. It is one of the greatest, great escapes in the history of English football. Wimbledon, over the last 15 games of the season— had a points average that would have put them in the League One playoffs if it had happened for the whole season. Like we went from being overwhelmingly the worst team in League One mm-hmm. to being in the last third of the season, the fifth best team in League One. It, it It is a truly remarkable story. I'm so grateful to everybody who is part of it. I want to say a special thank you to Aaron Ramsdale, our 21-year-old goalkeeper who was on loan from Bournemouth. Like every Wimbledon fan, uh, I was singing along as the fans sang, we want you to stay, we want you to stay, Aaron Ramsdale, we want you to stay. Aaron Ramsdale stayed with the fans after the game. 
he met up with fans at King's Meadow uh, at like hours after the game. He partied all night with with fans. He's he understands Wimbledon. He gets it at his core. He knows what the club is about. He knows what it means to fight for a club that's owned by their supporters. And he's such a special player. And I really believe that like he's going to be a famous goalkeeper someday. He is incredible. Um, both his just his skills, but also just the way he comes to the game. And also Anthony Wordsworth, 30-year-old player on the margins for much of the first half of the season, who in the second half of the season really just took uh, took the fighting spirit of Wimbledon in, in, into his soul and transformed himself and the team. And lastly, our captain, Will Nightingale, who's been playing for Wimbledon since he was eight years old, it meant so much to him. Uh, wow. You'd never question how much it means to him. And uh, he plays with his heart on his sleeve. And I just, I love that guy. And I can't believe we stayed up. And it, it, I, I just can't believe this happened. I cannot. It's in, uh, two goals. The whole, it's a 46 game season and we stayed up by two goals. Unbelievable. Yeah. I'm very happy. Uh, and I remember it wasn't, it was like, Eight podcasts ago that we were like, oh, well, I guess AFC Wimbledon's going down. Yep. I've sponsored a fourth-tier soccer team before, and I'm sponsoring one again. Yeah. I mean, I was no hopeless. I was genuinely mind. hopeless. Well, opportunity did not come back, John. The other, ba- <laughs> the other bad news we dealt <laughs> still, with this year. Still dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, still wouldn't that dead. have been a story in the same week if opportunity was like, <laughs> beep. <laughs> <laughs> Just tentative beep. Um uh, but as as we talked about a bunch earlier this year, Opportunity uh, lost uh, power because of a long d- dust storm that blocked access to the sun so that the solar panels couldn't keep it warm. And so it just froze there on the planet, never came back after the dust storm. These dust storms, like planet-wide dust storms, are pretty common on Mars. And uh, we've, we've seen them at, like... One of the first times we got good pictures of Mars, uh, we uh, like in the 70s, we were like, oh, it looks different now because it's having a dust storm. Mm. Um, so, you know, they've happened in the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, all, all of the time. But the 2018 one was really powerful. Uh, and we also got a really great opportunity to examine what happens during a really big dust storm on Mars. And that's given us some data that might indicate part of the reason why uh, Mars lost a lot of its surface water is that during these dust storms, uh, the atmosphere blows way up out over where it usually is. The typical altitude of water vapor in the Martian atmosphere is about 12 miles high. Like that's about as high as it goes. But during these dust storms, it goes to like 50 miles out into up above the planet. Whoa. And that's partially possible because the atmosphere is pretty thin. It's partially possible because Mars doesn't have as much gravity as Earth. So the, there's some thinking now that when you bring the water and also the rest of the atmosphere into those like really high altitudes, that it's easier for it to get hit by solar winds, easier for it to get charged and shoved off the planet um, into into like sort of interplanetary space. So this dust storm was bad for opportunity, but it was a good eh, opportunity to learn more about how uh, these dust storms interact with the Martian atmosphere and 
And that gives us a better idea of how the history of Mars getting to, to the way it is might have actually played out. So the physical amount of space, th- that's mind-blowing to me. Does Earth's atmosphere move? Uh, not really, no. Um, I, I don't think anything like that Um so, that, I, the, I, but you're saying like the, the, the kind of, if I imagine there's a planet and then there's the atmosphere that rings the planet and then outside mm-hmm. of that atmosphere is space. Yeah. Is that approximately correct? Yes, correct. Okay. So the, at, the, the amount of space between the planet and the edge of the atmosphere expands <laughs> by more than <laughs> twice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh, actually more than quadruples um, in wow. terms of, especially like in this in this uh, trace gas orbiter data, that's like the typical altitude of a, of a water molecule. The universe is so weird. And like we are, we are observing this tiny, tiny edge of it. Like we're, we're only beginning to observe <laughs> a second object closely or a second yeah. planetary object closely anyway. And mm-hmm. It's even that is so weird, right? Like, imagine right. how weird it would yeah. be to be able to like examine Jupiter closely, or to be able to examine uh-huh. solar systems far away closely, given how weird the closest rock to us is. Yep. Wow. Yeah, and and that like it's so like, and now that and when I was a kid, we didn't even know that there were other planets for sure. Like we had some inkling that we had seen other planets around other stars. Of course, we assumed that there probably would be, but we didn't have that data. And now we know that like pretty much every solar system has planets. And so, and there are like, there's so much variety between the earth and Mars, like a two, a like a, a data set of two has a huge amount of variety. Yeah. But you know, a data set of billions, it's, it, it's, like overwhelming and a little sad that like we don't get to know all of those things. It's a little sad, but it's also exciting because it, to me it means that the edge of knowledge is very, very far away. Yeah. Like sometimes, you know, when I was a kid, I used to, I remember feeling like, oh, everything has been discovered, right? Like the planet has been explored. The oceans have been explored. When I was a kid, you know, People were starting to explore the last regions of the Amazon rainforest, and they were starting Mm -hmm. to, you know, go to the deepest parts of the oceans and stuff like that. And I remember feeling like, oh, well, it's over. There's that famous line from The Great Gatsby where Fitzgerald talks about Europeans first encountering America and for the last time in history, seeing something commensurate with man's capacity for wonder. But like... How short-sighted did that prove, given mm-hmm. that, you know, the fact that the Martian atmosphere can expand or contract by a factor of four is totally commensurate with my capacity for wonder. <laughs> yeah, good planets, good soccer, good things. Oh, I mean, what a time to be alive. There's a chance, by the way, that by the time this podcast will be updated, Liverpool will have achieved the most stunning it's very small chance but there is like a, a according to 538.com a 12 or 13 percent chance that liverpool are going to win the league on sunday the english premier league and if that happens I, I mean i genuinely will have had the best eight days of my whole life i don't even know what i'll do i guess i'll get drunk 
Thanks for potting with me, John. I can't wait to watch those Liverpool highlights. If you want to email us your questions, please do that at hankandjohn at gmail.com. We're off to record our Patreon-only podcast, This Week in Ryan's, which you can find out more about at patreon.com slash dearhankandjohn, where you can also see a Barbie Band-Aid. That's a thing. Uh, this podcast is edited by Nicholas Jenkins. It's produced by Rosiana Hals-Rojas and Sheridan Gibson. Our head of community and communications is Victoria Bongiorno. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be awesome. awesome.